Hey, hey again, podcast listeners. First off, thanks again for tuning in to the Superhero Movie Club. Right here we got Season 2, Episode 3, The Man of Steel. Unfortunately for this episode, we were not able to get a science guest, but we promise after this one, there's going to be a science person for every single episode after this. So we are adding that as a permanent topic on all of our podcasts. So we really didn't even have enough room for a science portion on this show because Skylar wanted to spend so much time talking about the Man of Steel soundtrack because it is a phenomenal soundtrack, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Just listen to the show, man. SHMC S2 E3. Boom, boom. Here we go. Welcome to another episode of the Superhero Movie Club. We do comic book talk from modern to old, where it began, the final product, and its future. We cover everything about the movies, budget, themes, music, source, books, and hell, even the science. I'm your host, James Skyler Houtsma. And I'm Michael Maurer. And this week's topic is... General Zod, for the crimes of murder and high treason, the council has sentenced you and your fellow insurgents to 300 cycles of somatic reconditioning. Do you have any last words? You won't kill us yourself! You wouldn't sully your hands, but you'll damn us to a black hole for eternity! Jarrell was right. You're a pack of fools! Every last one of you! And you... Believe your son is safe? I will find him. I will reclaim what you have taken from us. I will find him. I will find him, Lara. I will find him! Man of Steel. Man of Steel, Man of Steel, Man of Steel, Man of Steel. The new Superman movie! Well, new ist? Newest, yeah. Newest? I think that's newest. Newestest. <laughs> okay. First opinions, Skyler. Well, Man of Steel is kind of a perplexing movie to me because, well, first of all, I really like it a lot, which makes me a target. But I find it to be both one of the most smart, introspective superhero movies to come out in 2013, but at the same time, it's the biggest, dumbest action movie where people punch each other a lot. And I really, really enjoy it for both. Problems with uh, product placement and a little bit of excess aside, I think it's a very exciting action movie, which is what it set out to be, and a really great way to uh, reinvigorate the interest in the Superman character. Yeah, Superman's been kind of gone for five years. since Well, more than that. Almost a decade. So you might say that Superman returns. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> Superman went away when when he tried to return. There's a joke there, but you already made it. 
I loved Man of Steel, but I also had the same downfalls, the same pitfall. I thought I had the same pitfalls that you said, where it just there's a tremendous amount of violence, but it, the same way I accepted it because it was an answer to Superman Returns in 2006 is tremendous lack of action. So they're like, well, there's one thing in this movie you're not going to be, and that's bored. We're going to be flying stuff at you left and right. And they delivered. Yes. And you're going to see a new Superman, and he's going to be British, but doesn't matter. I still loved it, and I still... Superman is my favorite superhero. He is the, the alpha, the omega, the the everything. He's he's the, the, the man who started it all, the alien who started it all. So to make sure that this guy never really leaves the limelight, I'm totally okay with. And... I got to say, the initial tremendous backlash this movie got really harshed my mellow, man. Not warranted at all, I don't feel. Yeah? Well, Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 55%. Yes. 55% approval from critics, 76 from audiences. That's a big divide. That is a pretty big divide. And And I believe... That happens in action movies, true. Yeah. But give it some leeway, dude. There was a lot of effort put into this film. Yeah, I feel like the the staunch uh, detractors of the movie aren't going anywhere, but the general kind of reaction to it in the year and a half since it's been out has been kind of growing back up, which mm-hmm. is, is a good sign, I feel like. What did you give it out of 100? Oh, just me personally? Yeah. Oh, please. I give it a 90, just for its cultural impact. Not because it is the greatest film of all time but just because it brought back superman into the limelight and you know what you get a tremendous amount of bonus points from me personally biasedly when that happens yeah me i'm at about an 80 i've on not no, 55 no no not even close um what did I, Sp- spider-man get again spider-man amazing spider-man 2 we talked a few, a few months back 53 so they are regrettably comparable even though Bullcrap. i feel like Man of Steel is a better movie. It's a be- more well-made movie. M- well-made movie, although I kind of enjoyed them both. Well, let's go into the hard-cold facts of money, money, and money needed for this film. It was a I... big undertaking. It it was. I, it's got quite the production budget at $225 million. Can I say something? Yes. Some of the sets that they did for this film, when I went and watched the uh, behind-the-scenes stuff, they went all over the place. They had tanks of water for those sets. The the Kent family farm, they built that. They built that from the ground up. This movie uses a lot of CG, but it never forgets to do practically what it can do practically, which is what movies like, I don't know, Star Wars prequels, The Hobbit movies, any number of movies these days just don't even bother with. So props to the movie on that. Well, it was Zack Snyder's quote, if the actors touch it, I want it to be real. So, like, when they went out in that boat fishing scene, that was not in a set. They were on a a fishing boat in the middle of the freaking ocean for that scene. And I was just like, wait, the budget was through the roof. <laughs> um, yeah, and so. it was. It was. $225 million, not even counting uh, whatever they did with marketing. Although this movie did have a lot of, you know, tie-ins that had National Guard, for sure, mm-hmm. um, Sears. 7-Eleven. Oh, you want all oh, the product placement money? Yeah. So it it got a little bit of a kickback. We don't know how much that actually garners into a film budget, though. Oh, no. It could be minimal. We don't know. Could be. Um, 
As for how much it made back of that, in the U.S., it brought in $291 million, So It's fighting an uphill battle, too. With the flack of, like, Superman Returns being not that great, this movie, um, it was sort of riding on Dark Knight Rises. True. And it did really well in its opening weekend. It brought in about $120 million, and that's... Almost half of what it did. Almost half of what weekend. it does did and I believe it might still hold the Father's Day record for <laughs> nice. Yes. So. Gotta hold that on a pedestal. Oh yeah. Well, Superman is a Father's Day figure. There's and there's a lot of, you know, themes as far as like fatherhood in this film. So mm-hmm. they picked a pretty timely date for to release it on, so well, in terms of foreign gross though, we're looking at about three hundred and seventy seven million. Comparable to other movies, that's pretty good. But not as much as sequels make. <laughs> right. Um, since this is kind of the reintroduction of Superman, it doesn't have that sequel extra gusto extra boost. boost. Whereas usually you get a movie that makes about uh, less than 30% of its money in the U.S. and 70 and upwards. Mm-hmm. Elsewhere, this is closer to a 50-50 split, which <laughs> brings its worldwide gross to $668 million. That makes it a uh, fifth? domestically for 2013 yep and ninth foreign this is the one of the first movies we see where it actually drops in foreign markets oh yeah um well i think i don't remember if the wolverine went up it might have went down as well yeah. but it's because it just didn't make as much foreign money as it did to the other films of the year right but <clears throat> fifth domestically for 2013 Hot diggity dang. Uh, that's not so bad. Yeah, especially, like, I still think, like, the whole way this movie was fighting an uphill battle, because Superman's a tough character to put on film. Oh, absolutely. Even though he's been around for 75-plus years. Yeah, I mean... Tough character. Consider, like, the rep he has to go against, where in this arena of, you know, now gritty superheroes, which I wouldn't call this movie gritty, but it's more Grittier grounded. compared to the others, yeah. It's more grounded, yes, but... There's kind of the feeling that Superman is this white bread character who is, you know, pretty plain Jane. So he's fighting against that. A middle of the summer, which I don't had movies like World War Z and uh, it was near Iron Man three. Yeah, it was within six weeks of Iron Man three. So mm-hmm. and then also the backlash, the critical backlash. We yeah, that critical backlash, man. Do you imagine if like that didn't happen? I Do you think it would have made a lot more? I mean, I don't think people really take too much care into critical reviews when they go to see a movie anymore. No, I think it definitely would have cracked the $300 million in the U.S., but um, and maybe maybe it would come close to $700 million. So, mm-hmm. But li- overall, tremendous success. Yes, absolutely. For comparison's sake, Man of Steel was made for a comparable amount to Superman Returns when you uh, factor in inflation. This one had a production uh, budget of two twenty five. Uh, Superman Returns had two oh five. So okay, yeah. give it you know five seven year years. Inflation. Yeah, and then it uh, ended up earning a lot more. So well, how much did Superman Returns make off the top of your head? You got it. You got it. You got uh, it. I'm gonna say between three sixty and three ninety worldwide. So <sighs> yeah, almost double. Yeah, almost double. Uh, so yeah, we'll we'll talk about the problems of Superman Returns. And we're not going to compare it to the 1970s versions because those are 40 years away. Right. I would argue even that Singer's vision on Superman Returns was just an offshoot of Donner's vision. It was an homage. Sure. 
we'll talk about, again, in Superman Returns, that was a confusing premise from the get-go. And then boring. All right. (laughs) Source material. Man of Steel does not introduce a whole lot of new characters based on Superman's long history and long-running comic book because all of the characters that are in the film have been done before or has been introduced in any of Superman's now seven feature films. But there were two, well, two and a half, you could say, in that Jaxer showed up. Yep, Jaxer, you remember that character. He was on screen for a total of ten minutes. He was the evil Kryptonian scientist from the Phantom Zone that injected Superman with uh, to get his blood to check the codex and all that jazz um he came about in 1961 in case you're wondering created by Otto binder and george papp and he was just his claim to fame as being the worst criminal of the phantom zone and he showed up in other versions of superman notably the superman animated series he's shown up for a bit voiced by ron perlman oh nice and um not a whole lot to say dr emil hamilton a little bit bigger uh, he came about in 1987, uh, created by Marv Wolfman and Jerry Ordway, but <clears throat> he was sort of played up for a long time as the absent-minded professor, uh, you know, knows a lot of stuff, but really sucks at communicating. Eventually, he's evolved into modern comics, into a character called Ruin, who really recognizes the threat that Superman poses on the world and has gone through some dramatic changes, but in the movies, played by Robert Schiff hilarious that dude is so funny richard schiff richard schiff thank you oh oh man the fan mail was coming toby (laughs) for anyone who gets it toby from don't explain the reference just keep moving okay now they're just gonna think it's a roots reference so (laughs) your name is toby oh but did he die in man of steel i totally forgot i watched it last night and i was it did he die out of a plane I, I believe that's the implication because he figured out what was wrong with the little spaceship that it needed to be turned. Mm-hmm. So then he activated activated it, the plane with, uh, what's his name from Law & Order? That guy. Drove into the world engine and caused this big old black hole to happen. And I don't remember him you know, getting out of the plane. Yeah. So. Superman can't save everyone, guys. No. That's basically it. What this movie did, though, a lot, it was break Superman canon more than it brought new canon into the realm. In that, what I mean by that is there's the typical trope that even though Lois is this all-star reporter, she really sucks at figuring out that Clark Kent and Superman are the same person. And this has been introduced in uh, almost every single Superman iteration. Yep. Sorry, not even just films. In just, general. Yeah. But Lois in this one, within like the first 35 minutes, she figures it out. She uses her investigative reporting skills, and she's like, mm, that those two dudes, same person. Totally got that. No glasses fool this chick. And like that was a nice breath of fresh air. Uh, even David Goyer in an interview said... That's stupid how that's been around for so long. <laughs> uh, another thing it did is it made Perry White, uh, Lawrence Fishburne's character. They introduced him for the first time as an African-American, even though he's traditionally a white Caucasian male. Perry White is not white. Yes, that's a great joke that I'm sure was said abound every single blog post about this, Tyler. I'm so glad you're with the times. I, I am. And, you know, that's not a huge thing. 
Uh, Perry White being black. Oh, I mean, they do, they've been m- making more and more steps towards that. It's only weird when a traditionally black character becomes white. Uh, like Black Panther being played by a white guy would be ridiculous. Yeah, that would cause some uproar. Uh, other than that, there is also the controversy on the Jenny character mm-hmm. on whether or not that's Jenny Olsen, a woman version of Jimmy Olsen, or a relative of Jenny Olsen. It's in the credits. She's just known as Jenny. Yeah. Her last name is never said. Um, somehow... The info got out there that that's Jenny Olsen, but... It's just a rumor floating around. It was never yes. confirmed. I... Oh, in case you're wondering, she was the character who was trapped in rubble. Yes. That was her big scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but I believe the uh, the next movie, Batman vs. Superman, is going to address this in some way. Because the latest rumor is that actor Scoot McNary is going to play the actual Jimmy Olsen who has lost his legs mm-hmm. in the Battle of Metropolis. <laughs> oh, dang. And that's why he's wearing those green socks. Oh. And, you know, they'll be relatives. That's entirely rumor. I'm sure. Yeah, that one set photo that had green socks and, like, he should be flashed. They're blurring his feet. Right. But now he lost his legs. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's a bit of a dark twist. Yeah, that was... <laughs> Didn't see that one coming, Rumor Central. Uh, Let's see what more you got for me. Yeah. And uh, finally, they gave Krypton a tremendously more involved backstory. There's a lot of political rife. A lot of bad things were happening instead of them just ignoring one crackpot scientist. Um, Like, Zod was instigating a coup. That and there are space explorers. There There was a time in Krypton's age when they were super space explorers. And that's more delved into in they had a add-on comic released when Man of Steel came out. The Man of Steel, what's, what is it? What do they call those? Complementaries? Companion. Companions? Yeah. It was a Supergirl comic, and it was 100% in canon to Man of Steel. Having not read that, I know there's supposed to be a an Easter egg in the movie when he's in the ship, and one of the pods that holds the people is open and yes there's a body missing is that related that's to- that's supergirl okay it's a story where she goes on a space exploration um some evil dude was uh, hitched a ride opened up all the pods and killed her crew members she got out before well i don't think he was pointing to kill her because he wanted to live with her forever or something like that it's been a while since i've read it but it was really cool <laughs> <laughs> and she was like no you're crazy uh and then she ends up killing him and that ship that's in the Arctic, that's yep. her ship. That's Supergirl's ship. They were meant to go explore Earth and send data back. And Jor-El might have got that data and found out, hmm, yes, yellow sun. We didn't know this initially, but now we do. Uh, because it's kind of weird how he planned to send him to Earth when he's never been there. Right. How the heck did he know that much about it? Well, that helps. So they were sort of explaining that and at the same time laying the grounds so that Supergirl's somewhere out there. Oh, okay. Because she, at the end of it, it's just her, like, walking through the Arctic. That's, like, the, the last panel. Hmm. So it's a really nice, you know, we'll, we'll bring it back up in speculation. Cool, cool, cool. Now, for the big portion of this week's episode, the music. All right. The steel. Super special music away. time. Super special music time with me. Oh, and for once in what feels like weeks, I actually have something to talk about because... 
this score is so good. <laughs> so um, good. So good. Yes. Uh, Man of Steel score written, of course, by the man Hans Zimmer in what is, looking back on it now, probably the best score of 2013. Not just in comic book movies, but in movies in general. Um, <laughs> now, originally, uh, Zimmer kind of denied the reports that he was going to write the music for Man of Steel, but he did ultimately end up taking on that uh, responsibility. And despite what the haters may say, what he turned in was pretty excellent. His whole score for this movie is very much a mix between this kind of ethereal space sound for the sound of Krypton and the fact that Superman is an alien. And because it is an action movie, it... A lot of drums! So many drums. Basically the first instance where we can kind of hear the heart and soul of the movie is in the scene where Jor-El and Lara are sending baby Cal off to Earth, and that is the track known as Goodbye My Son. Let's take a listen. track is just one of those probably the most tender moment in the whole musical sense of things and when i heard it in the preview tracks before the album was actually released i was like oh we're in for something special here we go more zimmer oh yes what's the next track scholar we gotta keep uh, weighing it on him but of course this is an action movie so what action movie is complete without badass action music and we find that in the final fight of the movie between Superman and Zod, for which the track is called If You Love These People. And we should mention that that is, in fact, an abridged version of that track. Um, the whole track has more badass goodness to it, but... Listeners, spot my hack editing job. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. Am I the only one who gets a very kind of Lion King, Mufasa dying feel to the whole sound of that track? Now that you mention it, I'm falling into that vibe more. I don't want to, because I want to affiliate this with Superman forever and always. Okay. But... Yeah. Now it's part Lion King. Duh. Uh One of the things I really appreciate about about Hans Zimmer is the fact that he built so much of his music on some really great themes. And much like how he worked with the Batman movies, uh, his theme for General Zod here has a lot of the same kind of basic traits to it. General Zod's theme uh, works a lot in drums. I thought of it as what Bane's theme would be if it had military precision 
with the same kind of overbearing sound to it. So we first hear this theme uh, in its full capacity in the track known as I Will Find Him from the scene where he utters that same phrase. Sorry, that was a short clip. I should have had more of that. <laughs> okay, well. Uh, we, I think we had like 20 seconds more of that, and then I cut it out. Oops. Uh, you fool. Oops. You fool. Heresy. See? My bad. I'm working out the editing kinks. We're trying to do this show all at once instead of me having to spend five hours editing every single flipping episode. <laughs> Which is preferable. For, yeah. For you. Right. Jerk. No. No, not the five hours. This oh. thing. Oh, yes. This is this is much more convenient later, but <laughs> it makes it sound really janky. <laughs> we'll, we'll work it out, guys. Just stick with us. We love you. Some of us. Some say janky. I say authentic. <laughs> and then finally, where would we be without the theme to Superman himself? No, it's not John Williams' 78 theme, but for this iteration of Superman, I think it does the trick just fine. And we can hear that in the track, What Are You Going to Do When You're Not Saving the World? having a freak out session <laughs> in the studio here but it's such a good track to it's have a so freak good. out studio i i don't care what anyone says if that does not stir your emotions well <laughs> I, <laughs> I can't help you then a man of steel amazing soundtrack just go get it guys and just let it let it soak into your body one thing i will say though much as i like the album there is missing content on it in that none of the theme for Lois Lane is included. And that's one of the best musical moments of the film. All right. We are going to breeze past the science portion because we wanted to use a lot more time for music. Also, we have no science guests today. Um, and it would be heresy to try and talk smart stuff without them because we have no fact checkers i see what you did there with the heresy <sighs> nope i don't i don't see what i did there i just do that normally oh okay and we're just gonna break it down into fun facts hmm, shot entirely handheld i read in notes yes i put that down because in fact Zack snyder did shoot the entirety of this movie with a handheld camera i did see some of those scenes uh in the behind the scene thing and it's kind of cool it I don't... Mm, there were some dollies, weren't there? Uh, I'm just not sure. I mean, I feel like the whole... There was the a scenes, lot of scenes shot with handheld camera. I, I remember watching the behind the scenes and seeing that. And I was like, wow. They do not have a lot of cranes. No, they don't. I feel like any and all scenes that would be dolly are completely CGI, like in the fight in Smallville or something like that, so... Okay. Yeah. I don't know. All handheld sounds... Bold, and I don't know if we have a fact checker on that, but mostly handheld. 
you can probably bet your bottom on. Oh, yes. And that's impressive. It is. And in, especially since it came out looking pretty good, in my opinion. Yeah, usually you get a lot of shaky cam, born supremacy bullcrap. Oh, no. Not this time. Or, you know, Hunger Games being shot by a 10-year-old discovering a camera for the first time. Yes, that. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Uh, how much can I shake it back and forth? Yeah. Um, another fun fact. Ooh, I have one. They developed an entire language just for the Krypton scene. That's right. The, well, the throne scene where, you know, he's talking to the council and the council gets a coup. There's a bunch of swirly symbols. Looks like Sanskrit behind them and stuff like that. That all says stuff. And they hired a linguist. Ling- linguist, yeah. Linguist. I was about to say another syllable there and then I cut myself off. <laughs> linguisticist. But, yes, a linguisticist. And... That person developed a whole Kryptonian language off of the S-swirls so that, you know, the House of L means hope and stuff like that. And they're like, mm, let's not make it subject, verb, object. Let's uh, make it object, verb, subject sentence. So instead of saying the light, I need the light of Rao, the light of Rao need I. Whoa, that's deep. Because they were like, mm, the culture would be uh, probably more object-intensive than it would be subject-intensive, like American culture. Wow. And it's like, why are you doing like, Nobody's going to care. <laughs> they, they don't even speak in Kryptonian in the movie at they all. They don't. They just, it's written on the walls, that's it. What I remember, as far as, like, this whole language they developed was, about a year before the movie came out, the trailer dropped on the internet but it was also in a very like viral way like the batman movies did it and that you had to decode the symbols that they came up with into Mm -hmm. some kind of message it was probably something like you are not alone oh yeah but that's how you unlock the trailer so at least they put it to good use that's true uh, they're going to get their money's worth out of that one. I think we're going to see a lot more Kryptonian language. Again, once we move into speculation, where we might see Supergirl come into a future untitled Superman sequel. That was an excellent transition. Thanks, buddy. And yes, uh, now that I know that they did actually sow the seeds for Supergirl to show up, anything's possible. I don't think anything's possible. No. <laughs> Whatever makes money is possible. I don't think we're going to see Parasite anytime soon. Oh, yeah. Actually, no, we might. I'm thinking of a stupider Superman villain. Oh, Mr. Uh, Mixi- Mixie Spiglet. No, Mixi Split. Mixi Split. Mixi. Oh, yeah. M. Mr. X- M. Yeah, Mr. M. X Y Z P T L K. Pronounce it, guys. Try and pronounce it at home. <laughs> he's, a, he's a stupid character. He's, he's an awesome character in comic books. Not going to work in films. All no. right. Just not going to work. I just remember those, like episodes where he showed up in the Superman series. series. Voiced like, by Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> oh, yes. How would we forget? But anyway, not going to see him. Going to see Supergirl, probably. We don't know when the next untitled Man of Steel. It hasn't... No facts have come out since the we've big, talked. Right, yes. Uh, as of right now, the official Man of Steel sequel is a ways down the line. They have not... Uh, set a release date to it, um, just like the new standalone Batman movie. Mm-hmm. It's to the wind. 2018 and beyond. We know it's coming. We don't know when. Right. Uh, they've just said that they're coming because these are juggernauts of properties. And why would they not? <laughs> exactly. So. But first they're going to do Batman v Superman. Dawn of Justice. Had a interesting uh, scheduling thing, to be for sure. Oh, it's just moving around? 
Yeah, originally slated for next summer. Then went to What's next summer. Next summer, July seventeenth, I want to say, when Ant Man comes out. Okay. Same day, twenty fifteen. They moved it back to May sixth, twenty sixteen. Good call. That also happens to the, be the day that Captain America: Civil War comes out. Not good call. Not good call. So earlier this, at the end of the summer, they brought it back to March twenty fifth, twenty sixteen. Good call. Good call. All right. It's gonna rain. It's gonna rain greenbacks yeah, at no Warner way. Brothers Entertainment. It's safe to say billion dollars. I th- I would. A lot of people so. throw that turb around. If the movie makes a billion dollars, I say it's safe for this one. You have I, what everybody's been waiting for for seventy five years. Exactly. This is a crowd pleaser in the making. Not just mention, in the title. In the title, yes. Not to mention, you know. Huge budget IMAX production. A setup for what DC's slate of films coming out for the next 15 years. Yes. Like we said, Direct Man of Steel sequel, long ways away. Next up, Batman vs. Superman, which is supposed to lead right into Justice League, which is a two-part film. Wait, hold on. There's no independence in between Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice, and Justice League Part 1? Um, I, aren't they, aren't they going to shove Wonder Woman in there? I believe Wonder Woman's in there. I'm just talking about what, what Superman's going to be in. Okay, good call. So, yeah, and as far as ties between Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman, I believe a lot of questions and/or complaints from the first movie will be addressed if you know set reports are to be believed. They're going to introduce the character of Lex Luthor. Yeah, let's let's throw out all the speculation in order here. First up. Characters of Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice. We've got Batman and Superman, of course. Ben Affleck and Henry Cavill. Yes. Returning characters: Amy Adams as Lois Lane. Okay. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne. Fishburne. Yes. Nice. I believe. Nice. Yes. I believe Diane Lane's coming back too. Sweet. Um. Uh, shoot. No, Kevin Costner. He's dead. Yep. Maybe not even a flashback. We don't know. Probably not. Probably not. Okay. Same with uh, Russell Crowe. He's probably bit probably. the dust. Okay. Interesting rumor going around and possible spoilers. By the end of Batman vs. Superman, I don't think the actor himself will be back, but the body of General Zod okay. will play some part okay. in this movie. You're digging deep here. I'm digging into Like, the, in two weeks, that could be null and void. lots of salt territory, yes. as I call it. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. Uh, other Wonder Woman is going to be in this one. As Wonder Woman or as just Diana Prince? I'm imagining mostly the latter, maybe some of the former. Okay. Kind of a glorified cameo. Yeah, I think she's going to... I mean, we've seen photos, right? Or is uh, that a promotional photo for the film for Wonder Woman standalone? Both. We have seen you know, the promotional poster of her character, and we have seen her on set. So Okay. And so we're also going to see Aquaman? Perhaps. Cameo? More of a mention of Aquaman, I believe. Okay, uh, and maybe an Arthur Curry. Again, just because their alter egos might be showing up as cameos in this film, but not them in suits. Right. Like, we're going to see Victor Stone, a.k.a. Cyborg. That's right. But I don't think we're going to see Cyborg. Probably not. I think we're just going to see Victor. Um, It's a good bet. I think that's it, though. We're not going to see any Green Lantern or Flash. No, Green Lantern is, like, their last of the line as far as what they want to do. Trying to put a lot of space between him and... Ryan Reynolds. Understandably so. Understand. Are we close to that film, by the way? Are we like eight films? It's 2019. 
2020. No, 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 actually, no, no, no. Sorry. Are we close to talking about the we're, Green Lantern film? Okay, we're within like six. Oh, I can't wait. Uh, I yes. can't wait. <gasps> actually, I'm, I'm a little bit more excited for Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance because we're going to rip that movie a new one. Well, they are incredibly close. Wasn't so. that also a David Goyer film? Yes. Yeah, the same guy so that he, made uh, This Majesty he also has, made Spirit of Vengeance. He has his ups and downs for sure. Okay. But as far as new characters introduced in Batman vs. Superman, as we said, Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor, Luthor which we need to see how that's going to shake out. I'm totally for it. I'm fine with it, too. Because everybody's like, mm, I don't know, he's kind of a scrawny kid. And I'm like, you know what? Let's wait till the performance till we start judging things, people. Same with Ben Affleck, I mean. Mm-hmm. And moving on, lastly, Jeremy Irons, Alfred. Who's excited for that? I mean, come Badass. on. Yeah. I mean, I really like the dude from the TV show Gotham. I think he's been the freshest version of Alfred we've seen in a long time. I hate that version of Alfred. I'm no sorry. Way! He's such an ass. Oh, I love it. I love it because it's something Alfred hasn't been yet. I love reinvention. Okay. Because sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And for me, that worked. And I would like to see that type of character archetype in the new Alfred. Like, you know what? Why are you all being jerks to Bruce? Because we're like fathers. Like, don't be a jerk to my son, my surrogate son. I'm I'm getting too far into okay. a tangent. I anyway, ju- Scar from Lion King, as we mentioned earlier, weirdly, is <laughs> going to be Alfred. So many ties so many, buried this, under this, the surface. This could be a huge film. There's so many things going on. It could be like a three-hour film with the amount of stuff they want to shove into this thing. Oh, yeah, no kidding. I mean, we don't even know what they're going to be fighting about. No. All we know is that this Batman is sort of based on The Dark Knight Returns, Frank Miller Batman, older, grislier, ain't going to take none of your crap. Where's the armor from that uh, comic? Yep. Um, ben Affleck is huge. They the told him on, buff. on the set of Gone Girl, stop buffing up. You're getting too huge. <laughs> for Gone Girl? Yes. Because you're getting too excited for being playing Batman? Exactly. That's a dream. Exactly. Anybody would love to play Batman. And just getting jacked. I think that encapsulates everything that's on the way as far I mean, as There's going to be a lot more. Yeah. I mean, that's about that's how it wraps up the next DC film that's going to be launching off the Man of Steel success. Yes. In case you're wondering why we delved so much into it. And, of course, it's got Superman's namesake in the title. Right. Do we have any clue what they're fighting about? Um, Probably the ending of this movie. Yeah? Yes. Because Superman caused so much collateral damage, Batman's like, that dude's a threat to humanity. Yeah. He needs to be taken down. I, I would be, but I wouldn't be surprised if... Most of the movie deals with like the fallout from that and people's oh, varied reactions. Lex to Luthor it. and Bruce Wayne teaming up together. It's been the common opinion that they're going to try and rebuild Metropolis as like a side plot. Yep. And at the same time, Bruce Wayne's like, I got to fight Superman because this dude's. But I don't know what's going to bring them together in the end. We don't know what the other. I mean, Lex Luthor might be doing something. Uh, That'll bring them together. There's talk of Doomsday, so. Uh, yeah, I'm not ready for Doomsday in a no. film yet. I appreciate it, Warner Brothers Entertainment. I like that you're going that route because he was a very successful comic book character. But I'm not ready for that in film. Exactly. Nope. Nope. Not ready. No. Uh, that's just me, though. I guess a lot of money. Greenbacks could say differently. We shall see, I guess. I think that's going to wrap it up today. Uh, Superhero Movie Club is recorded and produced in the studios of KMSU in Mankato, Minnesota. Find this podcast online at superheromovieclub.podbean.com or subscribe on iTunes. The next show's topic will be 
Iron Man 3. It's complicated. It's <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. with anxiety problems. Can't wait to see you then, guys. I hope you have a super week.